Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. What that means is I can see him. I believe in him. Even though I haven't seen God, I believe in God. But to believe God, to believe David, listen, to believe David, I can't believe David until David speaks something for me to believe. Do you hear what I'm saying? And it's only when David speaks something that I have the opportunity to show I believe him because I will act upon what he said. I said I will act upon. That's what it means to believe. So remember, it's no big deal. I rebuke those sirens and all the hell that's behind it. It's no big deal to believe in God or to believe in Jesus. Remember the Bible says you do well, even demons believe in God. They full well know. So at least you're in the same <laughs> the same level as devils when you say you believe in God. But see, we're in something much more powerful. This isn't about believing in God. It's about believing. If he said it, it's truth. I said, if he said it, it's truth. Heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or tittle of his word will pass away. You owe it to yourself to believe what he said. I said you owe it to yourself to believe what he said. I don't care what the area is. Sowing and reaping, you may as well believe it because it's going to be true forever. Seed time and harvest, you may as well believe it because God's loosed it. He's spoken it to the earth. It's here forever. You, sow, you reap what you sow. That's just the truth. Hallelujah. He's love. He loved us from the beginning. He wants us to love like he loved. I said he wants us to love like he loved. So we got to be delivered from me, from us, and self, so that we can walk a little bit like him. Because we're here to make a difference, man. I do not want this church to just be another flipping address. We are here to make a difference. We have an assignment from heaven. It has to do with music. It has to do with the presence of God. And I'm going to see it through to the end no matter what. And I've got to tell you something. I'm not coming to my end. The devil's such a lie. I don't know how he think, but something, you know, it, 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 I'm just beginning. That really hit me about just uh, last night and hit me again this morning. The Lord said, don't ever let that thought. You're not, you know, you're 71, 72 years old now. You know you're coming. You need to start thinking about it. And I'm, oh, whoa, and I just said, no, 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 no. Not this little gray-haired duck. Uh-uh. No. Honestly, it just hit in me. I'm just beginning. I'm telling you, I am actually just on the cusp of seeing God's grace, God's might, God's wisdom, God's love for me and through me. And I'm telling you, this is what I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now, you and I are just beginning. We're right, we're on the cusp, we're on the threshold of something so incredible. It's a move of God that's going global for sure. But I'm telling you, he is crying out by Holy Spirit more than ever before in mankind's time for you to hear the voice of the Lord now. Hear the Spirit of the Lord. Do not harden your heart. Do not 
Harden your heart. Do not desensitize yourself now. Whatever you do, I don't care. I mean every single one of you. You see, you, you, every single one of you have been in, 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 imbued with the very power of God for a purpose. So any and all lies I am rebuking from your life in Jesus' name. You will not be second rate, second class. You'll not be on the bottom of the rung. You're called to walk upon the high places of the earth. You hear me? You hear me? You are anointed of God to go and show forth the excellencies of his praise. You are. You are, no matter what your age, no matter what, you are anointed by God Almighty to go and to show forth the excellencies of his praise. You're all called to the ministry. Remember, we thank God we're getting delivered from that around planet Earth right now. It's not about this is the ministry, but you're in the ministry. Remember, it's, it's you. Something else I mentioned just this morning that I saw yesterday, I was thinking about how Jesus said we are the salt of the earth, right? Salt brings flavor where there isn't any flavor. We are the salt of the earth. It doesn't make any difference about us being together. See, this whole truth, learning of God, following Jesus, isn't about us salting each other because we're already salty. Salt is to go out there and affect our community. We're to add flavor wherever you work, wherever you go to school, wherever you live. You're called to bring flavor, the flavor of heaven. Taste of the Lord and see that he's good. Hallelujah. You've got to see. Your, I, I, I'm, I carry flavor, and it's good. I taste good. <laughs> and you've got to start thinking that about yourself. I taste good. I bring flavor. Hallelujah. That's in the very last part of my notes. I'm starting from the end of my notes to the beginning now. Hallelujah. But please, you are in a moment of transfer, trans, well, transpiration too. That's breathing from the outside. But transformation, I mean truly. I, I prayed a little bit this morning when I first started hearing this in my spirit. I said, don't let it just be an English word. Please let them hear what the Holy Ghost is saying. You're in a moment of transformation right now. It's here. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Just keep honestly from your gut level saying, Father, open my eyes to see this that you're doing now. Don't let me miss this. I will not miss this. In fact, that's what you need to start saying. I will not miss what you're doing. I will not miss. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm not going to miss what you're doing right now. I'm going to be right in the thick of it. I'm going to be right in the very thick of it. Hallelujah. <laughs> so that's, that's just the way I feel about things. Hallelujah. Because it's the truth. I'm telling you, God's grace, God's anointing is thick and strong. It's, I, don't know if can, I don't know if God's anointing can get thicker, but all I know is maybe we're hearing easier. I don't know. Hallelujah. Anyhow, I've got a couple of things to share this morning, but I had David Powell sent me this thing the other day, and it does kind of tie in with some of what I speak. I want to speak a little bit more about the peace that God's brought, but um, at the same time, like I said, I, we are a house of abundance. We're a house of transformation. We really are. God help you to see this. You really are. There shall be no no poor among us either. I'm telling you, I have rebuked every ounce of debt from my life and from your life. I, I believe. I'm actually. I'm actually. I actually believe God's word. 
I actually have made final decision on that. I've believed it. I'm a debt-free man. We're a debt-free family. I owe no man anything but to love them. And I'm speaking that. I'm not trying to get patted on the back, but I'm speaking that over every one of you every day. In the name of Jesus Christ, my people in this church will be debt-free. They will owe no man anything but to love them. They will follow the words and the ways of God. They will sow and they will reap. Because, I mean, God never forgets a seed sown. I heard that just the day before yesterday again. He never forgets a seed sown. He's at work with every seed you've ever sown. But whatever you do, don't stop sowing now. Because that's what God put in motion and planet Earth to meet every one of our needs. He wants you blessed, 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 because he's got a plan to use you. Hallelujah. Uh, anyhow, uh, I'm just going to read this email that David sent me and just refer to it for a moment. He said, morning, pastors. He said, Rod, you're incredibly handsome and wonderful, and I love you. Oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> morning, pastors. I've been really inspired over the past month or so with regard to where our church is being positioned in advance of Chosen. I waited a while before sharing as I wanted to really meditate and firm up what I was hearing and seeing. As I've alluded to, it's all about the one accord that comes before, that comes before the suddenly sound. The accord came before the sound. That was really good. For about two weeks, God woke me up in the morning at and around the time 4.40 a.m. It took me a while to realize the significance of this time. 440 hertz is the frequency for the note A in Western music. Now, a lot of you might not get this because it's something that you have to look at. There's tons of YouTube videos about the difference between 440 and 432. Some say, even like Ray Hughes shared about it when he was with us once, some people say there's something unique about 432 as far as something that happens in the hearing and maybe even in the spirit. But even Ray said, you know, we don't know for sure, but some people really notice a difference and notice a change. So whatever it is, it's, see, some spirit, spirit things are far more potent than earth things. And we're grasping to learn more about this. And yeah, so David said 440 hertz is the frequency for the full A in Western music. It's the base of all our tuning and particularly used when a full orchestra is getting ready to play. See below, it's amazing here. And he, he put a link here for a YouTube video, which I put in, and it video came up, but not one link of sound. I couldn't do anything, get any sound out of it at all. So anyhow, after this, he then spoke to me after church as our worship team were praying, and he said the following. The sound. See, I'm desperate for that sound, that there's something fresh and new from heaven. It has heaven on it. I said it has heaven on it. I said it has heaven on it and in it. And if we'll receive it, we'll receive a part of heaven that hasn't been ours before, hasn't been shared before, hasn't been released before. The sound arises from a people united in their belief, in their belief that they are eternally loved and accepted. Absolutely right. 
the lives they lead as a result of this truth that they hold dear will begin to resonate and leave no sphere of society unaffected. But they must first be as one. And that is what Jesus came to do, John 17, that they might be one even as we are one, that they might be one. That's still a master part of God's plan, that we catch the revelation. Why would I hurt you when you're me? You and I are one. They must first be as one, believing in one, before the suddenly arrives. I think that's good. The one accord comes before the new sound. The one accord comes before the sound. The accord comes before the sound, he's saying. Believing in one before the suddenly arrives. As they leave the upper room, my place of hidden pursuit, they explode each with the tongue. It's talking about on the day of Pentecost. As they leave the upper room, my place of hidden pursuit, they explode each with a tongue that speaks to a particular facet of society. The law firms will be full of testimonies to my goodness. The schools will be full of testimonies to my goodness. The coffee shops will be full of testimonies to my goodness. And the city will be captivated. Now this is the Lord prophesying to David, see, and a dream. And a city will be captured. There are three generations to be aware of. Those that prayed my move in, those that birthed it in, and those who will, who will maintain it. Out of the unity of the three generations, my sound will arise. This is God speaking to him. That's a good word. It's a really, really good word. Really. Then he was on, David goes on to say, It has really captivated and challenged my thinking, having, having shared it with the worship team. We are now planning to meet up even more regularly to fellowship and bind together even more as a family. He explained that the law firms, talking about when God, David saying this is what he felt the Lord saying, he explained that the law firms, coffee shops, schools being filled with testimonies represented the corporate, the creative, and the future worlds. And he's passionate about them all. As ever, the Lord, there's loads more to what I've been seeing and hearing as the word has settled and began to unfold over the past few weeks. Hopefully our whole church can be somehow brought into the revelation of the importance of unity of belief and spirit as we prepare for what God is about to do. Amen. Isn't that good? But really, see, if God does speak, we need to listen. I believe God's still speaking. God's always speaking. Did you hear me? Say that with me. God's always speaking. But like I said, see, if I believe God's speaking, that means I act upon what he said. So if we believe this is prophecy, if we believe this is God speaking, that God spoke to David, then we need to think about it. We need to capture it for ourselves. We need to believe in it. And God is saying we need to really exercise the fruit of what it really means to become one. Amen? One heart, one goal. You need to start with the major heart of God, the major focus of God's desire for us before you get to the little 
the tinier issues, the little spokes in the wheel. The main issue is the presence of God. Can we come into one accord that what we want, I'll tell you right now what this leadership of this church wants, we want God's presence more than anything else there is. You know, you heard Moses, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go anywhere. We're going to learn more and more and more. We're going to risk more and more and more and more of what it means to be led by God's Spirit for real. Holy Spirit, do you want me to stop right now? Do you want me to move right now? Do I keep quiet? Do I, we are, do I need to sing this right now? Just like the first song in worship, you know, where it says, I'm going to listen to your spirit. I'm not afraid to listen to your spirit or whatever. The, I forget the exact lyric. But like that, you know, we need, we could have sang that song all morning. And we're going to start doing things like that when God's on it. Because you know what? When God starts to move on something like a song, we need to milk it for all it's got. I'm telling you, you know, if God's, if, you know, like old Dad Hagen said to us all those years ago, if it's still producing rhema in you, it'll produce rhema in anyone who hears you. We're not going to be a normal church. We're not a normal church. Anybody knows that already. But Julie and I, we've made our decision. I mean, we really are after God. We're not after doctrine. I want the power of God all over this place. I want you, I want you to have the manifestations of Holy Ghost in your life every day. There's no reason you can't because he's in you. He's there. You don't have to search for him. He's inside your belly. But it's like we said about something, God, part of God's economy, the way God engineered things, my friend, is still the way God engineered things. You, if you believe something, it's like this. If you can believe, let's say you believe, I'm going way ahead of my notes now. Let's say you believe in the concept of salvation. See, religion preaches concepts. It doesn't preach experience. It preaches concept. Let's say you believe in the concept of salvation. But if you don't move toward what that concept teaches, you'll never be saved, right? Let's say you joyfully say, I believe God is a provider. How many of you believe God's a provider? But will you ever have provision if you don't move in faith towards what he said he would do and how he does it? I'm saying we simply have to cooperate. See, so we can make all these wonderful statements, I believe in, but that doesn't mean you believe him. I can believe he's a provider and never get any provision because I need to act. Like I said, I'm still I'm earnestly, earnestly serious about this tithing thing. I'm so freed up about tithing right now more than I've ever been in my life. I so want you guys free, and I'll talk about it anytime I receive the offering. That's for sure, because I, I mean, I've seen it. I really saw it. You know, it's, you, I want you free. God wants you free a billion times more than I do. You can't even get started if you don't start tithing. You need to see it for yourself. My God, nobody, God doesn't need your money. I don't need your money. God needs you to hear his voice 
you do want to be free financially, don't you? And of course you're going to say yes. Well then, you know, do what God's... He's trying to get you free. I said he's trying to get you free. Don't kick again like Paul when he's on the road to Damascus. Jesus said to him, it's hard for you. Quit kicking against the pricks. Keep, keep, quit kicking against the prods that are coming to try to get you to do what I tell you. I am Lord, you're not. I love you with an everlasting love. I'm trying to get my peace and my grace and my prosperity and my everything to you. Simply believe what I've said. Get in the book, stay in the book, and you'll be blessed. Give and you'll be blessed. Love others and you'll be blessed. Sow unto others. Do unto others as, I would, as you would have them do unto you. You'll be blessed. And in other words, let's live like God told us to live. I mean, it's just that simple. I don't know why we make everything so complex. Be as a little child. Except you are as one of these little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Jesus said that. Hallelujah. That's my introduction. <laughs> no, I'm, so, I'm just, hallelujah. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Let's read those real quickly. And then I'm, I've, got a, I've got two paragraphs or something from Bill Johnson's book, The Way of Life, that I read during the week. And um, I just, it, again, it was quickened me because, like I said, I'm still enjoying this grace on my life to be in the book these hours every morning. And then when I finish with the Bible, I, I'll read somebody's book, read as much as I can. And, and this started, this hit me off with something here about, and, and it, to me it chimed in a bit with the word that God gave David about, you know, if the people, if we as individuals in the church will, will grasp this and get into one accord. But anyhow, so Philippians chapter 4, verses 4, 6, and 7, it says rejoice. Remember the word rejoice means brighten up. It says rejoice in the Lord every Sunday, but no, no, forget about the rest of the days of the week. Now it says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, again I say rejoice. Verse 5. Verse 5. Let all men, I mean let all men know and perceive and recognize, let them recognize how unselfish you are. Let them recognize how unselfish you are, how considerate you are. Let them see how forbearing your spirit is. In other words, how you're, you're willing to listen and work and work with people. He said, the Lord's near. In other words, you need to seal that because you need to have a revelation. The Lord is near. He's coming soon. Then the next verse says, do not fret. Don't have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance, every, every, every circumstance, and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request, with thanksgiving, continue. Everybody say continue. Continue. Continue to make your wants known to God. It doesn't say needs. God said he'll meet all your needs. He needs to know what you want. You think it's evil. No, it isn't. He's your daddy. He's a very rich daddy. He wants to bless you. 
Continue to make you once known to God. And then the, the next verse, what we're getting to, and it says, and because of that, this is what will happen. God's peace. God's peace. I wonder if God's worried right now. Is God really worried? you think God's really concerned about all the issue going on with the Islamic faith around the world? Is God really shaken by how strong this LGBTRFPQRS, whatever it is, lobby is around the world? Do you think, oh my God, what are they going to do? Everybody's going to get caught. God isn't anxious or worried about anything. And it says here that God's peace, if you'll do these other things, God's, God's, God's peace, His, is to be ours. Ours. And I'm telling you, peace is one of the most important, vital topics in all of Scripture. It's one, again, it's one of the highlighted areas of God's wisdom for us as believers. God's peace, and God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, fearing nothing from God. I remember parking on that some 15, 20 years ago. How he dealt with me, he said, is there any area that you actually are afraid of me in? I want it out of your life. And it really was serious to me because I still had, the, you know, when I messed up, I, I still had that bit of a picture that God's waiting to be angry at me or I'm making him angry. I mean, when I mess up, surely he's going to be angry because, again, like you've heard me say so, human nature, there's something about our human nature that knows we deserve punishment when we do something wrong. And we almost feel okay. Well, I deserve it anyhow. I deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve it. But this is why, again, the revelation of Christ taking our sin and the penalty of all of our sins upon him, he is never going to penalize you or me, ever. Ever. Because all the payment for all the sin, all the stupidity, Jesus took. That's supposed to make you want to follow him. He's a good God. He's taking your sin. He's taken the penalty for your sin. And he said, we can have his peace, this tranquil state of the soul, assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, fearing nothing from God, hallelujah, I don't fear. I'm not afraid of God. Remember, we're not talking about the reverence for him. I reverence him, but I'm not afraid. He's my father. I said he's my father. My father's not going to hurt me. And so fearing nothing from God and being content with my earthly lot, whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends understanding. It goes, if you have this peace, see this is again this thing about you mustn't worry if you don't understand fully something about God. God's peace goes beyond. If you have God's peace, you won't worry about not understanding something. You'll have a great freedom to follow him right into victory. 
because you're not getting confused about this, that, or the other, because it, it doesn't come on you, because this peace transcends all understanding. And it says here, it actually begins to garrison, it mounts guard over your hearts. It begins to protect you. It begins to protect you. Now, let's put up this next slide. This is a couple of things from Bill Johnson's stuff. I wanted to read this, if we can put this up. Hallelujah. Yeah. Most, this is from Bill Johnson. Most of what we want to be a prevailing influence in a culture begins with one person. Everybody say one person. One person. When any individual touches the reality of heaven and brings that influence into their family and or to closest friends or even a work environment, they start having an impact on their surroundings. This is vital. See, I want us to have a corporate anointing but like we're saying here, and like this one accord thing that David spoke to, it always starts with one person. Now, you know what? I'd like to say I fully have it. I don't think I do, but I tell you what, I'm better every day. I've got some of this. I know. I believe in heaven. I know my wife does. I know some others in the church. I know Deji has this, has a deep, deep, deep heart pull on heaven. I know Abby does. I know others do. And I know, I know David does. Bobby does. And many of you that I don't know well, I'm sure you do. But I want you to just catch this. It begins with one person. You see, I can't worry if 15 of you don't have this yet. If I'll be faithful... I need you to be faithful for, with, with you, what God's doing to you. I need you to see the importance. And let me read on here. He said they begin to have an impact on their surroundings. That family or group then helps to shape the values of an entire local church. And when the church begins to illustrate the reality of another world, that's what we're here to do. Experience the reality of another world. That's called heaven. That's called Christianity. We, God wants all of us to experience the reality of his world. That's why he's loved you so much he put himself in you. He's yelling all the time. And then here, your, your spirit, his spirit dwells in your spirit. And all the times it's, it's talking, it's trying to prompt you, saying, let me show you my world. Live like my world lives. Think like my world. Love like my world does. Speak like my world does. Speak like my world does. He's in there all the time doing that. But he said, and when the church begins to illustrate the reality of another world, it's positioned to influence a city. Now, this is the part I really want to see because we know, like these wonderful books have been written of late about the culture, how you need to, we need to change the culture. The people always bend to the local culture. They get involved with the culture. But listen to this point he makes. Culture isn't shaped because we take on a quote-unquote culture campaign. In other words, I can announce, we're going to come become a, this culture. We're going to become a presence culture. We're going to... I can make all these grandiose announcements, but it doesn't happen from that. It happens one by one. As Bobby really catches it and gets it, then you know what? Bobby begins to become contagious. And she is. 
Julie is contagious with it. She loves God. She wants always more and more of God. And some of the rest of you do too. But then we're, if you're honest with yourself, we still know that in some of our lives, and this is not condemnation, I'm just saying you have to own up to the fact that, you know what, the world still speaks louder to me than Christ. You know, I'm just, I, I just, I love the world. I, I just love this life, and I, I love this life more than whatever this is. It's, and it's because, again, you haven't seen it yet. If you taste real steak, you won't eat dog food anymore. And if you haven't, and if, if you, you can grow up being used to, to dog food and think, that's a, well, this is a good dog food. I had some really good dog food last week. <laughs> you know, God wants you to eat steak. He wants you to have the best. But nevertheless, culture isn't shaped because we take on a culture campaign. It usually starts with one person. Now, we all esteem this guy, Bill Johns, incredible. This dude, incredible guy. It starts with one person. It usually starts to change an entire culture. It usually starts with one person. Will you be one of them? That's my question. Will you be one of them? Nate, will you be one? Yes, you will. Will you be one? Andrew wants to be one. I know it. I know his spirit. It usually starts with one person or perhaps a small group of people of like mind who model, teach, and monitor the atmosphere for the sake of others. It is this heavenly reality that God has designed to influence earth until we see the fulfillment of the prayer on earth as it is in heaven. Now watch this next one. For most people, you've maybe heard some of this before, but it's, I just wanted to read it. For most people, peace is a time without war or a time without conflict or simple as a time without noise. Take note that it's always the absence of something. Now, in other words, this is what most people define as peace, the absence of something. In the kingdom of God, peace is the presence of someone. I said in the kingdom of God, peace is the presence of someone. Peace is a person. Jesus is the prince of peace. When the prevailing influence on our hearts and minds is, when the prevailing influence, influence, when the prevailing influence, what influences you? When the prevailing influence on our hearts and minds is the presence of Jesus, we have peace that conquers. The wonderful reality of this kind of peace is not defined or controlled by surroundings. This is why Jesus slept in a storm. He slept in a storm. We only have authority in storms that we can sleep in. That's something else he said a couple of years ago. We only have authority in storms we can sleep in. So if you constantly are antagonized by little stuff, my friends, be delivered. You'll never get out of it by yelling at the problem. You have to learn how to sleep, as it were, in the middle of it. I said you have to learn how to sleep in the middle of the storm. Now, do I mean not do anything? No. 
I mean rest in God's way and God's will and in my personal response to what heaven's purpose might be in this situation. The wonderful reality of this kind of peace is not defined or controlled by surrounding. Jesus slept in a storm and then released peace over the storm, and the storm stopped. What was in him influenced what happened around him. Plain and simple. Amen? Listen to me. Listen. What's in you right now influences everything that surrounds you. Right now. Right now. What's in you? What's in you in abundance? Well, what's the Bible say? Let the Word of God dwell in you in abundance. You can't get away from the book, my friends. I said you can't get away from the book. Let the Word of God, the Word of Christ, dwell in you richly. 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 It's not the Scriptures you can quote that you've memorized in your brain. It's the scriptures that are tattooed and engraved on your heart, on your spirit. It's engraved there. It's like I said, you know your name. You've seen me do that little funny thing here. You know, you're not, your name isn't Michael. 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 Well, if I say that long enough, I don't know. Am I able to intimidate Michael to the point? Am I able to intimidate? This is how devil works. Am I able to intimidate him to the point that he'll say, okay, okay, my name's not Michael. You are the healed of the Lord. You are the healed of the Lord. You have to get to this way. You are the blessed of the Lord. I'm rich in Christ now. I don't care what my bank account says. I'm rich in Christ now. He has met all my needs. No, you're broke. I mean, dude, you're broke. You're dead. No, I'm rich in Christ right now. I'm rich in Christ right now. But all day long, all day long, the devil wants you to look at the facts and not look at the truth. Truth changes the facts. You've heard me say that many times. I said truth changes facts. I did not write the Bible. This book is still determined by words. You have to go back to the beginning. It's about what you speak, what you daily speak over situations. How do you respond when the devil says you're going to lose? Over and over again. Goliath, every single day, all the types in the Bible. Every day it says Goliath said the same thing. Every day Goliath said the same thing. Every day Goliath said the same thing. Until all of the armies of Israel were afraid. All they just because faith comes by hearing. Except one little dude that was about four foot eleven, they say. About sixteen years old, red headed. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. I killed the bear. I killed a lion. I'll deal with this punk just like I dealt with them. I'll do it. I mean, what a different spirit. I said, what a different spirit. What's in you in abundance? Now, this is, this is some stuff I wrote down. I want to write it down because I want to say it. And like I said, I'm trying to learn how to speak shorter. Knowing God's will, I've already spoken to this a bit, but let me just read it. Knowing God's will is vital, of course. It's his truth, but truth is to be known by experience. Religion exalts concepts, like I said earlier, but usually avoids personal experience. Knowing that God is my provider, remember I said is great, but it does little good if I don't seek him for provision. 
See, you can know God's a healer and never be healed. You have to seek him. It's not just knowing what he said. It's acting on what he said. I know that's simple, and you should have heard that all your life. But hear it for the last time. You know what I mean? Hear it for the last time. The concept of salvation does me no good unless I'm saved by confessing him as Lord and Savior. In other words, words we... In other words, we must act upon God's truth so that we might experience God's truth in our lives. This is why we must be doers of the word, not just listeners. We must put a demand on our faith and stop allowing complacency to define our Christianity. You can't just go to church and think you're going to be blessed. You know, church, Christianity is not about a little dabble, do you? It's not the little dab you get here for about an hour and then you complain against that. I feel that way too. No, it's, it's a seeking after God. And like I said, it's, it's time now. I mean, it's always been time. But I mean, it's just really time now, like I said, to just put away childish things. Childish attitudes. And this is something I, I read, too. I don't know if it was Johnson or something else, but he said, um, let, me go, let me get down and read the rest of what I was saying. The idea of the Holy Spirit, this is it's all about the Holy Ghost right now, man, I'm telling you. I am fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost more than I ever have in my life, and I am enjoying what he gives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm enjoying the Holy Ghost. I'm enjoying learning his promptings. I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying. The idea of the Holy Spirit abiding with us always needs to affect how we do life. In other words, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The love of God, the love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's supposed to affect how you do life. My life now can be lived with the consciousness of him that really does affect my faith, my attitude, my conduct, and everything else. This is the statement that this guy said. Listen to this. God wants to become the pleasure of your life. Now just think that moment. God wants to become the pleasure. Where do you find pleasure? Where do you find pleasure? God wants to become the pleasure of your life. He wants you to learn to enjoy the pleasure that only he can bring. And i got to tell you, the pleasure that he brings is a billion times better than Haagen-Dazs pralines and cream ice cream, which every once in a while I take pleasure in. I know none of you do your holy. But the pleasure... See, you don't even believe that. God, he wants... We know the verse, at his right hand... There are pleasures forevermore. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy, not a little bit, fullness. The closer you get to him, the closer you get to pleasure. The closer you get to joy. He's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. But you have this is it's worth anything. We sing what's that the lyrics, you know? All glory, whatever, and I don't care what else, all, the only thing that matters, all that matters is 
that you get glorified. All that matters is your glory, right? All that matters is your glory. Is that one of yours? Say what? Yeah, what she said. But who wrote that? I said, is that one of your songs? Is it Really? It's one of your songs? God bless you. I'm glad God gave you that song. All that matters, all that matters is God's All that matters is His glory. That He gets all, that's all. And what, what would happen? What would actually happen if all that mattered was His glory? It's all that mattered that He got recognized, like you've heard Him say many times too. For God to be glorified, it means that people recognize rewards selflessness. He rewards when we want this outward, when we esteem others more than we esteem ourselves. Don't you want to come to church and see others recognize God? See, if we all have that attitude, I'm going to church today, hallelujah, and I want to do everything I can to help people recognize God. I really want them to recognize God. See, many of you have different pictures what that might mean. But this is why, please hear me, there's no price too great to pay to discover and to experience His pleasure. Because, again, it so supersedes anything else you've ever... You know, you know I was a drug addict, drug addict all those years. And sadly, you know, if I, if I make myself, if I make myself remember, I can still remember those old days, you know, when I put that needle in my arm and that immediate that rush when that heroin going into my bloodstream, how you went, uh, you know, that, that thing. God, it's embarrassing. It's, such, it's so shameful to think I lived like that for so long. <laughs> but see, God wants you under the influence Bill Winston said that on stuff I watched yesterday. God wants you, each and every one of you, to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Where people can say, boy, that dude's under the influence of something. You hear me? I say it once while I see some people in the church, and I go, man, that dude's under the influence. Hallelujah. I need to see the world needs to see that you're under the influence. I said, the world needs to see you. You're under the influence, man. What is that? What are you doing? Are you loaded? Are you high? I said, no, I'm just saved, man. I'm saved. I really do have what's called the joy of God, the joy of the Lord is in my life. I'm saved. I mean, I'm saved, man. I mean, you know, I was lost. I was ugly lost, ugly, dirty, nasty lost, man. Delivered me from drugs, delivered me from violence, delivered me from death itself. I'm blessed, man. And I smile about it. I'm happy. I'm happy, Lord. You mean you never have any problems? Oh, I've got tons of problems at times, but my joy is bigger than my problem. I've got eternal life. My eternal life is going to eat up that problem. The problem will be long gone, and I'll be up there with forever anyhow. I'm going to be in eternity. So whatever this is, it's for a moment. It's just for a moment. It ain't that big of a deal compared to who I have on the inside of me. Think of things this way. Because he will never leave me, his peace is in my account, but not necessarily in my possession. 
I have to know how to make a withdrawal. I have to know how to make a withdrawal. You've heard me teach on it. You are the righteousness of God in Christ right now if you're born again. You, God, if you're born, to me this is still astounding. I don't care how many times I read. I've read Romans in the last 18 months probably 25, 30 times the whole book. I don't know how many times. (laughs) And every time I read it, it's astounding to me that God already sees me as a man who's living right. Rod, he looks at Rod Anderson and goes, he lives right before me. I don't care what I do. I don't care how many times I mess up. I I hardly ever mess up. Right, honey? No, but I mean, you know, the thing, to actually catch it that right now, knowing everything I know about me, everything that crosses my mind that I have to cast down at times, I'm human, and to know that God doesn't see anything in me other than he, my son lives right. This guy lives right. He's right with me. He's in total harmony with me and all of heaven. Hallelujah. I'm in harmony with heaven right now. Not going to be. But see, you're already in harmony with heaven. You're not out of harmony. But the devil, the devil is real. His job, like I said, like Goliath, intimidate, intimidate, lie. He is a liar and the father of lies. Lie, 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 you dirty thing, you, you sinner, you, you corruptible, you. I am right with God, brother. But what about you did five minutes ago? That's like eternity long gone. I have the blood of Jesus and I have no judgment. I've been judged right before God. Hallelujah. I'm blessed. I have eternal life. I'm just down here till it's time to check out. Hallelujah. Then I'm going to be with him through the eternity of the eternities in absolute ecstasy and unspeakable joy. Unspeakable joy. Unspeakable ecstasy and joy. Unspeakable ecstasy. Bliss. Hallelujah. For all eternity. That's my future. I I like to stay connected to my future. Don't be connected to your past. That's dead. Your past is dead. Hallelujah. Forget that. It's all dead and dusted. This is why I have to learn how to protect my peace at all costs. Scripture tells us to guard, Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above, above anything else you guard. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. I'm going to try to hurry now. This means that when I find that I'm without his peace, when I find that I'm outside of his peace, I'm without his peace, I need to find where I left it. I have to realize that somewhere, listen, somewhere I've allowed something of very little value to influence my thoughts and behavior away from that which has incredibly great value. I've allowed something inferior in value. I've allowed something inferior. If I lose my peace, if I lose my peace, 
I've allowed something of incredibly little value to heaven. Let me tell you, somebody being angry or yelling at me should not cause me to lose my peace. If it does, I'm siding with a voice that's not heaven's voice. Why do I want to do that? If they're going to do that, fine. But I'm not going to partake of their sin. If I find myself moving away from peace, I realize that I've allowed something else with very little value to influence my thoughts, my value, my behavior, away from something of much greater value. And I have to ask this question. You see, you and I need to ask, what triggered, what has triggered my departure from peace? What triggered it? A phone call? You ever had your peace stolen from a phone call? Oh, yeah. Um, could have been a discussion. It just happened to somebody. But somewhere, I exchanged peace for fear. And I mean, you can do that on a microsecond, can't you? Sitting there, calm, at peace. And normally it comes through someone else. Something you see. Even this morning, I was reminded again about you know, driving by, and I saw, again, I, I, see, I can't, I am filled with God's love. I'm not an angry man. Now, Jesus, he got angry at religion. But he didn't say angry. He didn't get angry in sin. But that really frustrated him. He hated religion because of how it bound his children. But see, I, am, I cannot get angry every time I see a rainbow flag used by the gay community when I know it's God's rainbow. But part of that gets up in me. Or like I say, when I see all these, you know, the, the Muslim trips with the signs saying we're going to convert all of London to, to Islam and all you Christians are going to go to hell. And, and it just, you know, I, I, it is. I, I, I still have that. I, I shouldn't have it. I shouldn't. I know. I know. I know. But there's still that like oh, Jesse DePlanta says, I begin. I see that stuff. And he says the Tabasco sauce. I can feel that Tabasco sauce start to rise up my leg. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel that stuff because there was a time when I would respond not beautifully to things. I had no fear of getting punched. I enjoyed I just, hallelujah. But see, I can't have that. I, you know, and that I, it must not cause me to lose my peace. I'm called to love them. I don't have to agree with somebody to love them. I don't have to agree with somebody to love him. But see, I mean, it's easy to preach that. But I mean, see, I'm still striving to get there to where I don't even have to deal with the thought of animosity. I just, you see, people are dumb. I'm a pastor. I know. People do stupid things. But you can't get angry at people who are ignorant. Now, ignorant means you, they don't have the information or they don't act on it. And see, a lot of people out there that are just sinners, these whatever drunks and going to the homeless people see on the street begging and all this stuff. You know, you want to say, you know, get up, get off your butt, get a job. I mean, when they're 20, 43 years old, you know. But, you know, God loves them. He always responds in love. 
I'm just telling you, I haven't got there yet. But you know what? I, like I said, I'm getting better every day. But somewhere, if something triggers your departure from peace, phone call, discussion, something I saw, somewhere my reaction's been wrong and I need to fix it. I need to get back to peace. All our responses come from either love or fear. All our responses. You may not realize it, but they do. Remember, fear always thinks apart from promise. That's something Bill Johnson said. Fear always thinks apart from God's promise. In other words, it'll take you from it. Fear will always take you from something that's godly. I don't want to trade something eternal for something that works its way into my life to steal, to kill, and destroy. Why would I want to trade something that carries eternal value for something that only wants to steal and kill and destroy part of my life? This is where I now need to repent. I need to get back to my heavenly position in Christ. I must not allow fear to challenge my knowledge of God's goodness. I must not allow my fear to challenge my knowledge of God's goodness. This is why I want you, what this church, a lot of what this church is about, I am called to edge God's anointing on me. I knew it the moment, you know, like I said, Ed Cole told us to go away and pray and see what God, anyhow. The vision of my life, the call of my life is to educate the spirit of God's people, not their intellect. It's to educate the spirit of God's people towards greater intimacy with Christ. I'm not called to educate your mind. But God said his word coming from me would educate his people's spirits. Their spirits would mature. They would become more Christ-like. That's why we want you to have your spirit educated with his truth. In the early moments in our Christianity, we discovered that some of our wrong thinking is incredibly deep-rooted. So we have to go to the scriptures until we see what he says about us and what his answer is to whatever keeps causing me to stumble. And remember, again, this is another Bill Johnson quote. that is, It's mine now, though. I don't care how many times you've said it. I've said it out now. It's mine. We always become like the one we trust. We always become like the one we trust. Some of you trust you more than God. Now, in Proverbs 3.17, can you put up Proverbs 3.17 real quick? This is the one that you've heard me quote about peace a lot. Actually, it would be good to read like from Proverbs 3. Why don't I put up 3.15? Let me see what it says in verse 15. I'll be done in five minutes. Hallelujah. I really will. Everybody rejoice. Proverbs 3.15. Skillful and godly wisdom, my friends, is flipping more precious than rubies and gold. Nothing, 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 nothing you could wish for is to be compared to God's wisdom. 16, verse 16, length of days, long life, is in the right hand of wisdom. And you know what's in wisdom's left hand? What's it say? Riches. Riches. I'm not afraid of riches. He doesn't want you to. But see, where are riches in wisdom's left hand? I want to get close to wisdom. Next verse. Her ways, see the way of wisdom, are highways of pleasantness, and all her paths 
And that's why I've always had this verse. I heard God say this to to me all those many years ago. My path is recognized by my peace. If you don't have peace, don't take this path. So I had to pay the price to find out what God's peace was so that I knew what peace wasn't. I had to learn when there was a disturbance in the force. Seriously. This is how you learn to live. Have I lost my peace? I need to go back to my last place of peace, make an adjustment, repent, not take that phone call as serious as it was. It, it, it's trying to make itself. Not standing up all night worrying about something that I can't do anything about until tomorrow morning anyhow. You hear me? No. All God's paths are peace. And what you begin to discover is this, like it says, to guard your heart above all that you guard. If you will protect your peace, God's peace will protect you. If you really guard God's peace in your life, see, you won't remember, but that peace will begin to protect you because it will keep you from wrong decisions, keep you from taking a wrong path. Many people live from, quote, unquote, the stress of life, And it's stress, for some reason, in a perverted way that motivates people to get focused. All this stress, all this pressure, I must do something, I must do something. That means they live in reaction to problems instead of response to God's Word. People are living in reaction to the problem more than in response to God's wisdom. So I'm finishing here, and this is, again, this is the Bill Johnson statement. We must not settle for a lifestyle that we can perfectly understand, that we can understand, that we can perfectly understand and control. We serve a God who is supernatural in nature. If we live, please really hear this. If you live only by what you feel like, well, I understand it, so I'll be involved because I understand. If you live only by what you understand, and want to accept as normal, you will end up with a tame God made in your own image, one you can manage, who seldom offends you at all. That's heavy. I'm going to read that again because you've got to catch that. If you only live by what you perfectly think you understand and what you therefore accept as normal, you'll end up with a tame God. That you actually, and because I understand, this is how I understand God. So you're actually making God in your own image a God that I can now manage because I'm saying this is the only way God works. And he'll never offend me because I'll never... No, you can't do that. So in being like Jesus, you see, in this peace, we need to know this is where the peace of God, knowing God will help you to learn how to value people before they earn it. See, as a pastor in particular, I can't just value you because I see all your good works. God valued me long before I did anything to earn it. You know what I mean? God saw me in the depth of my prison violence. God saw me in the depth of my heroin addiction. God saw me in the depth of all that long before I didn't earn anything, and he loved me. He valued me. Can you imagine? He valued me. He saw something in me that no one else did. 
you've heard my story. I had five parole officers all telling my family that I'd be in the penitentiary for the rest of my life. That I'd, you know, always be anybody who'd been involved in violence to the, to the level that I had been and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but God valued me. God saw something else. God saw something else. God saw something else. I'm glad he did because I didn't see it. You see, this is what I'm trying to say. This is how he sees you. I don't care what you've been through, what you've gone through, what you're going through. It has nothing to do with the value that God's placed upon you and what your destiny is in him. You've got an incredible future if you'll just continue to lean into him. An incredible future awaits you. You are ordained to be a life changer. Some of these young men, young women here, honest to God, they could, you know... A couple of these girls might be the next Catherine Coleman. I don't know. It all depends. They can lean into God that much. Some of these young men might be, I don't one of the finest musicians to ever hit the planet Earth and glorify God. It might be one of the finest footballers ever known to be and glorify God through it because they dedicated themselves. They actually said, here I am. I surrender. I surrender. I am yours. I am yours. I'm yours. Do with me what you will. Final scripture, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Hallelujah. God is good. Are you listening to anything I'm saying this morning? Colossians chapter 3 verses, what did I say? Yeah, verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 12 through 17. Clothe yourselves, therefore, as God's own chosen ones. You've been chosen by God. That's why God gave that name to Julie. It's just that we've been chosen. That's an incredible thing. I've been chosen. I'm handpicked by God. Clothe yourself, therefore, as God's own chosen ones, his own picked. You're a picked. God picks you to represent him. Hallelujah. As God's own chosen ones, his own picked representatives who are purified, you are. Not going to be who are purified and holy and well-beloved by God himself by doing something. He said, go ahead, put on behavior. That's marked. In other words, what do you see when you see a Christian? Tender-hearted pity, mercy, kind feeling, a lowly opinion of yourself, gentle ways, patience, which is tireless and long-suffering <laughs> and has the power to endure whatever comes with good temper. In other words, peace. I won't panic because of somebody's persecution. Next verse, be gentle. Be gentle. Turn to your neighbor and say, be gentle. That's right. Karen, you really need to tell Mike that. Karen, make sure Mike heard that. Tell him again, be gentle. Mike, be gentle. Denise, tell David, be gentle, David. Be gentle, David. I'm a delicate flower. Sorry, I just had to throw that out there. Be gentle and forbearing with one another. And if, because I mean it hardly ever happens that we have a difference between each other, but if one has a difference, a grievance, or complaint against another, readily pardoning each other. I mean, don't let it last for a minute. And I forgive. I forgive. I'm not going to fall into the devil's trap. I forgive. Readily pardon each other, even as the Lord has freely forgiven you, so must you also forgive. Next verse. And above, I mean above all else, put on love and enfold yourself with the bond of perfection. This binds everything, I mean everything together in ideal harmony. Next verse. 
and let, if you do all that, and let. Let is a military term. It actually means you have to allow it to happen. It means go there. It doesn't mean I'm suggesting. It means go there. Now, what do you do with it? This is where I love the info. And let the peace, soul harmony. I, I, I like to stop and look at phrases and think of soul harmony. For there to be harmony in my soul like a magnificent tune. Let the peace. See, you got to let it. I said you got to let it because it's in you. God's peace is in you just like God's love is in you shed by the Holy Ghost. But it says you got to let it. See, you got to move towards it in faith. I'm going to let peace reign today. You know what happens when you say that, don't you? The enemy comes to seal it. But see, when you know that, you say, ha ha, I expected you. Oh, it's you knocking on the door, but you can't come in. You, you know, I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. Uh-huh, I hear <laughs> you guys, most of you, most of you are way too young to know that, to know that old song. <laughs> I should have been a singer. I mean, that we, no. But let the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule. Let it rule. And then the amplified, because that's what the word means. It means act as an umpire. What's an umpire do? Honestly, come on, I'm finished now. What's an umpire do? Hello? Hello? What's an, um- what's an umpire do? Yes. Like American baseball, or even your weird game cricket, they got something like an umpire. They say yes or no. It was lawful or it was unlawful, right? He says it's peace that he's ordained to be our umpire. In other words, you've got to know what does peace say right now? Let peace. Act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds. I've read this verse so many times, you need to read it slow, out loud, slow, word for word, out loud. God's peace will act as an umpire, settling with finality all questions. All questions. God's peace will show me the difference. It'll settle the question. Hallelujah. It'll settle with finality all questions that arise in my mind in that peaceful state to which, as a member of Christ's one body, you are called to live. You're called to live there. I'm going to stop there. We could read the rest. But we're going to set that. The peace of God. Harmony. David said that God spoke to him and said that the accord must come before the sound. Johnson said culture doesn't begin with the culture campaign. It begins with one person normally. Will you be that person who will learn to be so responsive to God's presence, God's peace, God's spirit, that you literally, literally become his agent for change? Change will occur because of your decision. See, I've made my decision 
but I can't do this alone. I can't do this alone. But Julie and I can put 10,000 in flight. But how many can we put to flight if we all actually get to this decision? Billions. You do know Satan's never had a brand new thought. The devil's never had a good day. He's burning from the loins up and the loins down. He knows his time is short. So he's just pulling out all the stops to distract you. Make something else look more pleasurable. What can I make look more pleasurable to them than God's love? And then he tries to get you to buy on it. See? Taste this, Jesus, and the temptations, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, uh, the, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Father... In the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for the incredible moment of transformation that's in the in front of us right now. The incredible abundance that's within this atmosphere right now. I thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. You are going to show yourself strong to our people. We believe you've you really enjoyed this the- message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 